You're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. It's exciting what God is doing in this season. And I, as I prayed for tonight, I just really felt that I had to ask Nate to come. And Nate is a dear friend. He's a dear friend of Resurgence. He's family. Um, in 2014, I was down in Redding, California, and I said, hey, who's that guy over there? And another friend said, oh, that's Nate. I just told him about you. And I'm thinking, why did you tell him about me? And he says, oh, he's got a word for Canada. And so then I went up to him and he talked to me and I thought, well, God, if you're connecting us, you bring him back to me. And moments later, Nate came back and he's like, have you heard of Hope Mission? And he, you know, he showed me Hope Mission and his grandfather, right? Great grandfather, grandfather, um, helped help start Hope Mission in Edmonton here. And so just has roots here, um, is connected here. We just really connected our hearts. We went for lunch, saw his church a stirring, him and his Erica lead in Reading. It's incredible. He's, um, I was at Poets and Preachers a few years ago. We've been in Norway together and a few other places. He's been the Banff with us on the gondola, and uh, we've been up there, and um, just amazing time. And so uh, I'm excited to have him share tonight. I believe there's a word on his heart. And uh, Nate, just honestly so honored to have you. Thank you for doing this. Um, go for it, man. Hey, guys. Such an honor to be with you. I woke up this morning with just divine expectation for tonight. And as much as I'd rather be in Canada than on Zoom, <laughs> Zoom will have to do. Um, but I do need to get up to Canada sometime soon and be with you guys. It's been way too long. Um, one of the last uh, trips that I, that I took up there to be with Resurgence, I remember Travis and some of the crew, they took me out to a restaurant called Meat, M-E-A-T. I don't know if you guys have been there, but I'm just saying that this is one of, one of the highlights of my life was Meat. And they brought a massive platter of food and, and we, we just ate. And then, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, Travis loves to shop. And so we went shopping for skinny jeans for Travis. You remember that? We went shopping, we had just a beautiful time together. Men do shop together, if that was a question. I don't know if that's a, a Canadian thing, but um, we found some sweet skinny jeans. Meat and skinny jeans. One of my one of my favorite memories from being up there with you guys and and all the God encounters. But um, I want to I want to do something. Uh, you know, I, I want to share something on my heart. Really, a journey that I've been on um, these past few weeks. And hopefully, there's something to really encourage the Resurgence family. Um, we love you guys. We pray for you. And, uh, you know, on behalf of the stirring, you know, we, we send our love to our Canadian family up there in Edmonton and, and other cities. And, um, but I want to, I want to do something. I've got maybe a couple words to share. Um, I've never done this over zoom. So we'll see if this works over zoom. I'm, I'm assuming God can speak through zoom. So we're going to, we're going to go for it. But, uh, um, Kimberly, is that your name? Kimberly Frazier. So, and as we were, as we were worshiping, I, I had this, saw this vivid picture of, of you as a Joseph. And part of it is what you're wearing. I saw like, I saw the father put this coat of many colors on you. And it was, it was a beautiful picture of, I felt like the Lord said, you're a dreamer. And God's, God's releasing dreamers right now. God loves to dream. And I just saw like as Joseph was a dreamer and uh, both night dreams and soul dreams. And uh, that God, I, I think, already gives you dreams and speaks to you. And, but I feel like there's going to be an increase of that. And then just soul dreams. And then the picture shifted to as a Joseph really helping people find their God dreams like there's a special there's a special anointing on your life as you pray and as you worship and as you really come alongside people to help people become dreamers 
And, uh, and I saw specifically like dreams that matter, like everyone has a dream, but there's so many dreams that, that maybe aren't God dreams. And I feel like there's a really unique, as a dreamer, there's a real unique anointing on you to help people find dreams that actually matter, discover their God dream. Um, you know, Joseph had a dream about the restoration of his family. And I really felt like for you, there's something personal God's up to in your family, but also to help people help people find dreams that bring restoration to family, the kind of dreams that actually matter to God right now. God's about family. So um, I, I just, I want you to sense the presence of God as he, as he puts the coat of many colors on you and, uh, and you get to bask in that, that kind of identity. And we just, we, we bless you, um, Kimberly, in the name of Jesus. I also had a word for Lauren. Uh, it's been a it's been a few years, Lauren, since you know we've um, you know been face to face. But um, immediately when I saw you um, on the Zoom, I was reminded of the gift of leadership on your life, and uh, you have such a strong gift of leadership. And I felt like the Lord just wants to encourage you in that gift of administration, that that gift of leadership. Really, the the word in scripture comes out of the, like the rudder of a massive ship. And sometimes we downplay the gift of leadership and administration, but that, that rudder actually shifts the direction of the ship. And I just sensed like the delight of God on you. He's so proud that you've taken what you have and you've actually offered it to him. And I saw that, that scene in the Bible of the, of the, the little boy with the, the fish and the bread and the disciples, they saw the massive crowd and, and the hunger. And they come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, let's send them away. And Jesus, Jesus asked the most brilliant question, what do you have? And I just had the sense that you've actually brought to Jesus what you have. And you're like that boy that, that has come. And it's, at times it's felt like it's so small and insignificant. But there's, there's been such a courage God's put in you to bring the small that you have and realize you're actually, you actually carry a massive um, gift to steer the church. And I also saw the Lord in, like increasing justice on your life, like a real justice gift, seeing what's right and wrong. I feel like you're going to burn for some things. There's, there's going to be a, um, an increase in the... the the, the justice heart of God as you lead and, and you're going to know it, you're going to see things and you're going to, you're going to rise up. So it won't just be that you're administrating someone else's dream, but there's going to be some real justice pieces that you carry. Um, it's stronger than you think. It really is. There's more that it really is like it. There's such a strong gift. Just stay anointed and stay humble. Um, I, had, I had one more word for, there's not a name. It says, it says resurgence host. Who's co-hosting? Oh, is that Megan? Okay, that's Megan. All right, there's a name now. So, yeah, um, Megan, as we were worshiping, I just saw you as a Mary. Um, such a vivid picture of the story of, of Mary and Martha. And Martha's getting caught up in the task and Mary's caught up in the presence. And I just, I saw, I saw something that God's been doing in you for a long time, but I, I saw a real, like a culmination of this, this beautiful heart of worship and this gift of presence. I, I felt like the Lord wanted to say to you, you're always going to be disappointed in what you do because it can't ever be about what you do. The greatest gift you can give is, is that presence, that heart of worship, staying, staying so um, anchored in his presence. And from that place, I feel like there's a, there's a beautiful Mary gift. God said to Mary, you've chosen the better part. And so I, I just see an increase of just a deep, deep devotion, a love for Jesus. Um, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart, and that's all that matters. And the greatest gift you can give isn't going to be the task that you can do, even though you're going to do things for God, but it really is going to be the sweet, um, the sweet gift of worship at his feet. 
and the incense that comes from that. So God, we just ask that you stir up more devotion, more personal devotion. Um, God, Canada needs, Canada needs the gift of your presence. God, not more doers, but those that learn to actually stay long enough in your presence. And we just bless Megan in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share just a, a word from 1 Samuel 30. Um, the past few weeks here at church, we've been in this, uh, this series called After God's Own Heart. And we've been in the life of David. And so I've been immersed in the story of David. So I'm going to jump into a moment in David's life in 1 Samuel 30, where um, here's David, a man after God's own heart. And uh, as, I was, as I was praying a few weeks ago, I sensed the Lord say, I'm after the heart. Like God is looking for wholehearted people. And many of us, we resist community. Many of us, we, we don't ever process pain. And many of us, we don't actually live into the fullness of our heart. And God is really looking. God is looking for hearts. And too often, you know, we've made it about other things. And and the older I get, I realize God isn't trying to get me somewhere. God's trying to get me open. And here's David who lives open-hearted in such a beautiful way. He's not perfect, but he keeps bringing his mess and bringing his heart to God. And there's this uh, moment in 1 Samuel 30 where um, David comes into one of the darkest seasons of his life, really a dark night of soul. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I mean, I could, but... Um, you guys can jump in and study this out later, but um, here's, here's David who's living in between um, the promise on his life and the destiny. So he's living in between the field and the throne. David has a call on his life to be the next king. And here he is. He's, he's got these, these mighty men, this, this group of just unrefined warriors and and at this point they're they're living in a city called Ziklag and they're out fighting this battle and it says in first Samuel 30 it says that three days later when David and his men came back to Ziklag they found out that the Amalekites had raided their land and burned and crushed their city to the ground they had carried off their women and children and everyone else without killing anyone. Said when David and his men saw the ruins and what happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David was in great danger because then his men talked about stoning him to death. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So um, here's David. He's not having the best day. Um, they come back. Their city's been burnt to the ground their families have been kidnapped and taken away and his men are now talking about stoning him so these are these are the very men that that david gave his life to in the cave these are the very men that 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 david met in their discouragement in their discontentment and now they're talking about stoning him so this is one of david's darkest nights here and it said that David found strength in the Lord. Um, what's, what's so intriguing about this season we're in, and we could talk about this all day, is this pandemic and this, uh, this global um, lockdown that's happened. And for, for months now, we've been really seeking the Lord. God, what are you up to in this time? God, how are you leading your church um, to, to shine and reach a world in pandemic. And so I'm going to get at that a bit. I feel like there's some things that we're learning here, some things God's doing in me. And uh, I want to share some of those things. But here's David, who's deeply discouraged. And uh, he, he finds strength in God. So I love this line here. A couple of things I want to share. I love this line where it says, uh, they wept until they could weep no more. And I think this is... Uh, so significant because we have to create space for weeping. And I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a church context where there was no space for weeping. Um, I always had to have things put together. 
And, and when we don't actually learn to weep with God, what happens is, is our pain spills over all over the place. And right now there's a lot of pain in the world. There's an ache. I call it the ache of pandemic right now that's exposed people in the most beautiful and ugly of ways. And so as the people of God, I love that in the story of Joseph, in that moment when he finally sees his brothers coming back to him, it said, David, he could hardly contain himself. He left the room and he found a place to weep. I think of the story of Jesus, who in the garden, before Jesus faces the cross, Jesus, Jesus faces his pain. There's this beautiful moment where Jesus is with his father in the garden and he's weeping before the Lord. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's something about the church holding this space of pain with people and allowing people to weep with God. Because the presence of God isn't a place to ignore our emotions. It's a place to pour out our emotions. The presence of God is a place where, where we come as we are. I think the most beautiful places of worship aren't places where we have to come and be something we're not, or, or put on like some pretend persona, but they're the ones where we can actually come and be a mess in the presence of God, and so they wept. But what's so interesting here is, it, it said that David's men wept into bitterness, but David wept into strength. There's a weeping that leads us to become angry, that leads us to become bitter. And now they're talking about killing David. And guys, if you look at what's happening in the world right now, there is, there is so much pain beneath the protests, beneath the politics, beneath so much of what's happening across the globe right now. Beneath it, there's an ache, there's a cry. People are deeply hurting. But when we weep without God, we get bitter. But when we weep with God, we get God. And so it's so important that we create space for weeping in his presence. The Bible says we don't grieve as those without hope. And, and this isn't, listen, this isn't the point of my message. I could talk all night about this because I think there is, a, there is a, uh, uh, an anointing coming upon the church to help people process pain into wholeness because you cannot get whole in God unless you've faced pain. And too often our spiritual environments have, have resisted pain. We've medicated pain. We've avoided pain. And this is why very few live into the fullness of their lives. Many of us, our parents hit ceilings in God. Many of us are experiencing this right now where where our, our parents came from a generation where many of them, they, they didn't know they, that they could face the pain. They, they didn't have permission to bleed with their sons and daughters. And, and so it caused them, listen, if we don't actually fully feel what's in our heart, we can't actually live into the fullness of our heart. I'm having these beautiful talks with my dad right now, who pastored a church for 40 years, but could never fully open his heart and could never share his pain because in his generation, he said, we didn't actually have permission to go there. So I'm on a bit of a rant and rave right now, but it's so interesting that his men wept and got bitter, but David wept and found strength in the Lord. And again, if we don't, if, if our weeping isn't in the presence, it will spill out into all kinds of other things. And many of us have experienced that firsthand. So here's this phrase, David found strength in God. I think it's so vital right now, resurgence family. It is so vital that we learn to find strength in God. It said that he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I love that because it, this word to strengthen ourselves in the Lord is such a, um, in, in the original language here, it's such a fierce, active word. It means to grab your boots by the, by the straps, to grab your, your soul by the bootstraps and encourage yourself in God, strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I think right now, especially in isolation, 
and uh, what's happening in culture and what's happening in the world right now, God is actually looking for people who will find strength in his presence, who will learn the art and the act of actually strengthening ourselves in the Lord. In this time when we can't gather together, maturity is, I've learned how to find strength in God. There's a great exposure happening right now in the church, and many, what they're realizing is they didn't actually have a personal devotion. They didn't learn how to build a fire with God for themselves. They were so addicted to the gatherings. What a gift right now for the church in this season that, that we're learning how to actually strengthen ourselves in God. David has a spiritual father, Samuel, who strengthens him earlier in this story. He has a friend named Jonathan who puts strength in him. So David has fathers and friends in his life, which are vital. But in this moment, he has no one. Even his mighty men are about to stone him. So here's this moment. I believe God actually, there's seasons God will actually be silent. God will actually lead us into wilderness. God will actually step back from our lives because it's time to grow. And if we don't understand that God will actually remove himself, there's seasons where, where God is so close and he's speaking and he's moving. There's times when he steps back because it's time for us to get into his presence. It's time for us to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We do this with our kids. Early on, we feed our kids. At some point, our kids learn to feed themselves. If my son at 16 is still asking me to feed him, I have failed him as a father. But for some reason in the kingdom of God, we don't hold people to this kind of maturity. Like we have, listen, we're in a season right now where we have to be able to get really honest with each other and go, listen, growing in God is natural. Not growing is weird. If, listen, if we've been walking with God for a decade and we haven't grown at all, something's wrong. If my son is the same size at 16 as he was at six. Something's off. If my son's not growing, we would say, hey, this, there's a problem. But in the church, how come we just let people not grow? In the church, how come it's like we can, we can walk together and we can allow people to stay immature? We Listen, there's, there's a time. There's, a, there's a, a kairos time we're in right now where we have to be able to have hard conversations with people and go, it's time to grow up. It is time to strengthen yourself in God because that's what it means to mature. So I love that here's, here's David that strengthens himself in the Lord and of all the things we can strengthen ourselves in. I'm just thinking of, of all, the, all the places of identity. I'm thinking of all the, the ways that we can find strength in in you know, politics, in relationships, um, in finance, all the places. And I'm just like, God, listen, I don't care. I don't care who I am in the world, but I want to be strong in God. Like, I just want to be strong in the presence. I want to spend more time in the presence. I want to spend more time in the word. I want to spend more time getting strong in the Lord than anywhere else. As much as, as, much as I love working out in the gym, I want to be one found working out in the spirit. And, and I want that to be the gift that I give the world, that I give my marriage, that I give my kids, that, that I've, been in the, I've been in the presence long enough to actually learn the art and the act of strengthening my soul in God. What a season for that. Are we strong in the Lord? What David does next is, is uh, so interesting. David says this, his men are bitter, David's in the presence, and, it's, and David says this. I don't know if you guys, how many of you know this story? Some of you guys know this story? Some of y'all? David says this, bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod, okay? So the ephod in this culture was, was the vest the priests would wear when they would go into the presence to seek the Lord. So this is, this is David's way of saying, it's time to seek God. I have to get the word of the Lord. This is a time for the church to wear the ephod, to be in his presence. We don't know what a post-pandemic world looks like. 
We don't know what it'll look like for the church to shine, for the church to reach a post-pandemic culture. But right now is a time to not figure that out, but to be in the presence, to say, bring me the ephod. And so the, the priest, they would put it on. So here's David, and he knows this. He gets this priestly robe on, and it's David's way of coming into the presence to say, I've got to seek the Lord, a tangible way. What I love about the ephod is, is everyone knew when David put this on, they knew David is going into the secret place. Is your secret place so secret no one knows about it? When was the last time you put on the ephod? Do people around you know the tangible, the ways that you actually go into the presence to get the word of the Lord? And for me, I know early on, uh, I love space. So for me, like I've always had these kind of, part of my ephod has been just the space that I kind of seek the Lord in. And there was about four years before we got real coffee in Reading. There was about four years that I would, uh, that Starbucks was my space. Starbucks was my ephod. And uh, I would leave every morning and I would spend two, three hours at Starbucks in prayer and journaling and and just seeking the Lord, I would take my highlighter and I would highlight my Bible every time the Holy Spirit was bringing something to life. And, and uh, I would say to my kids, dad's going to Starbucks to meet with God. Dad's going to Starbucks because I wanted my kids to know, hey, dad actually goes to meet with God. Dad puts on the ephod. Dad has a place and a posture as he comes into the presence of God. So I'd say to my kids, so about, about four years later, we were driving down this main street in our city. My daughter, Ava, she's maybe eight at the time. We drove past the Starbucks and Ava points and she says, that's where God is. That's where God is. And for a moment, it threw us off as she pointed to a Starbucks as we drove by. But in that moment, I realized that it was her way of saying, my dad wears the ephod. That's where my dad meets with God. I didn't have the heart to tell her that that was no longer where I met with God. So we just said, yep, that's where God is. Maybe she believes that to this day. But I think it's so important. Here's David. He's like, bring me the ephod. And in the presence of these men talking about stoning him, here he is face down. He gets the word of the Lord and God says, go after the enemy. And if you do, you'll restore your family. And so he goes and there's this, uh, there's this beautiful moment. I can't preach it out right now just for time, but there's this beautiful moment in the story where they end up at a brook. And uh, I'd love at some point, I'd love to preach this, but they end up at, at this brook and David has 600 men. His, his men are stirred now. David goes from weeping to the word of the Lord. David gets the word of the Lord, and it shifts the hearts of his men. These men that are talking about stoning him, the word of the Lord shifts their hearts. And 600 men now are carrying the word of the Lord, and they end up at this brook, and at this brook in this story, this brook Besor, what happens is 200 men are too tired to go on. And so here they are, they're too tired, and they say, we're going to stay. So 400 men go on. David leads 400 men. And it's, it's a fascinating story of how they end up coming upon the Amalekites, they, the, the surprise tack at night. And what happens is they get back their wives, they get back their kids, they get back everything. God gives them the victory. So what happens is they win this battle. They have all these spoils from war. They come back to the brook. There's now 600 men, 400 who fought, 200 who didn't. And David says this. He says, everything God's given us, we're going to share, and we're going to divide equally between all 600 men. Well, the 400 men who fought, they don't think this is fair. And some troublemakers, they say to David, hey, this isn't fair because we fought the battle 
and the 200 that were too tired and too exhausted to actually fight, there's no way we can let them get the spoils that we get. And then David makes this statement. It's one of the most beautiful pictures of the grace of God in the Old Testament. David says this. He says, listen, God gave us this battle. We didn't win it. God won it for us. And he says this, we will share and we will share alike. We cannot be selfish with what God has given us. And he makes this declaration of the grace of God that they didn't earn it, but that God gave it. And so those that were weary and those that were tired, they get the same as those who fought on the front lines. He says this, those that fought and those that guarded the equipment. And I, I, think, this, I think this moment here is so beautiful because I know that some of us have felt weary. Some of us have been on the front lines and some of us have felt weary. And sometimes when we're in the 200 that are too weary to go on, sometimes we feel like we're missing out on what God's giving. And I love that in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter whether you're on the front lines or whether you're weary, because there have been times when I'm on the front lines and then there have been times when my team's carrying me because I'm so weary. And I feel like God wants to say to some of you, you haven't missed a thing. There are seasons of weariness where we just can't fight the way that we used to. We just can't pray the way we used to. We're just not feeling it. And especially in this COVID season. And I feel like God just wants to say, hey, listen, I know. And in the grace of God, everything that God is doing in this season is available for you because you didn't earn it anyway. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And I just, we have to bask in that because I think sometimes we believe a lie that some, somehow we earn his presence or somehow it's the more spiritual I am, the more, the more that I get from God. And it really is a lie. And I love that David's like, hey, listen, David understood war enough to know there are times, there are times when we have the courage to be out front and there are other times when we're guarding the equipment. And I think it's important to know the season you're in. And as a community, we've got to work together because this is how we carry each other through weariness. So a couple of things I want to share just, just as I was praying into this word. And again, we could, we could preach this more, but I really feel like there was a word for the weary. That God wants to encourage those that have felt weary and felt like, man, I don't know if I, if I, if I have much to offer. I don't know if, if in this time I even know how to be on the front lines. Don't believe the lie that shuts you off from his presence. Because what God's about to pour out in Canada and what God's about to pour out through resurgence, every one of you gets the fullness of what God has. In the kingdom of God, there are no elite leaders. Just because you're on staff doesn't mean God loves you more than those that aren't. God is looking for open, willing hearts to actually receive what he's about to do. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit poured out, it said they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled. God didn't just fill Peter. They were all filled. What God's about to pour out is for every single one of you, if you will have a posture to receive what he's doing. A couple things that I felt like the Lord wanted to, me to just speak and maybe prophesy through this message was this. The first is this. The, the posture of one man and the prayer of one man shifted the entire narrative. And I felt like the Lord wants to say this to Canada. The future belongs to those with God's narrative. That there's a war for the narrative right now. They, listen, they wept into bitterness and they lost sight of what God was up to. And it took one man to stay in the presence long enough to get the narrative of God. People are desperate for the narrative. 
They don't know what God's doing. And they're looking for someone who will stay in the presence and be in the word long enough to get the word of the Lord. One man shifted the narrative. And this really is the battle. I mean, it's the battle in California. It's the battle in the U.S. It's the battle in Canada. Because God's narrative, um, God's narrative is the most powerful piercing narrative possible. And I felt like the Lord wanted to raise up, um, I'm going to call it those that carry supernatural story. I feel like that's the word, supernatural story. Songwriters, prophets, preachers, book writers, creatives um, that, that actually get the narrative of God, the supernatural story of God that's going to pierce through the noise. And he's looking for people that will put on the ephod and go, God, listen, I will stay in your presence long enough to actually get what you, I need the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord has the power to shift the hearts of the bitter. And there are many becoming bitter toward the church, bitter toward God. And we've, we've got to see the narrative shift and God's story is powerful enough, supernatural story. So I just feel like he's, he's releasing visionaries. He's releasing writers He's releasing those that carry something more than just a meme or an Instagram picture or a Facebook post, but they're going to carry a deep word of the Lord, a supernatural story. Um, I want to prophesy over a resurgence that you're going to carry a narrative that actually shifts the bitter heart of a generation. There's going to be a generation that's bitter toward God because they didn't find God in religion but there's going to be a resurgence. There's going to be a revival, a resurrection. And I'm, I'm, I, God, raise up songwriters and raise up prophets and storytellers and raise up preachers from resurgence that carry a narrative that shifts the bitter heart and gives them hope again to restore their families. So that was the first phrase was a supernatural story. The other is courageous compassion. In this Bible, or in, in, this, uh, in this story, it says that um, when they saw the ruins, when they saw the ruins, they wept. And I just felt like some of you are seers, storytellers, seers, but some of you are feelers. And you got to know the difference between being a feeler and a seer. But I felt like some of you, you're not necessarily going to see it, you're going to feel it. And the feelers and the seers need each other. You really do. I'm a seer, I need feelers in my life. And there's gonna be a partnering between those with supernatural story and those with courageous compassion that actually um, walk among the ruins. Uh, and I just, I just see a, a real anointing to feel pain, to go to the darkest places, to feel the ache that people are feeling and, and be able to bring that and, uh, and a, a courage to actually stay in the ruins and stay in the pain long enough to actually help people walk into wholeness. Because the, the storytellers want to see people come alive in their story. The, uh, the, the compassionaries, they're going to walk people into wholeness. And we need both. We need those that are going to help people get whole and those that are going to help people come alive in their story. And uh, I found in my own life, I'm, I'm more of the visionary, but the reality is people can only go so far if they haven't really experienced the wholeness and the healing they need. So I just want to bless you. I want to bless you, Resurgence family, those that are going to tell the story that awakens a generation. I want to bless those that are going to feel the ache, walk among the ruins, get God's heart for justice, but help people become whole. They've got to get whole in God. We've got to get better. Listen, we can't entertain people anymore. We've got to help them get whole in God. God wants whole-hearted people so they can offer whole hearts. And I just want to, I want to bless you um, as those who, who do not grow weary doing good. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Nate, I'm so honored that you're on here tonight. So appreciate your time. I know you're really busy. You have a worship night in the other room. You're checking out. You have all this going on, leading a church in this season. But uh, Nate just mentioned that he'd be willing to take a few questions. And sometimes, you know, in this format, 
uh, we can't do this in a in a setting with lots of people and if but because we're on zoom and it's individual and we can have a conversation and we're a community i just want to kind of open it up for some questions that um you would have a few questions like related to what we shared tonight just just want to ask and i know uh, dean mentioned he had a question he's going to send in and so just um you can do that in the chat I think, yeah just send it on the chat and uh and we'll try to get to a couple of them uh nate's got to go pretty quick and we're gonna move on with some community time and some announcements that are offering tonight but i just wanted to take a couple minutes and uh and so if you have a question fire it in there and we might get to a couple of them and uh does that sound good nate did dean give you a hard one no it's great so um i think most of y'all can see it but he said what kinds of things have i done in this se season of weariness um, a couple thoughts. I would say, I would say, first of all, um, character is revealed in crisis. So when crisis hits, um, usually it what gets revealed is what's actually in you or not in you. So a beautiful gift in the season is is we're realizing where we were, where we were, and I think that's a gift we have to embrace. Um, as far as what I've been doing, I've just been doing the same thing I've been doing for a long time, um, mornings with God. And so, um, about, you know, I had a spiritual father in my life who was practically a monk and he taught me the rhythms of prayer and presence. So, so for about 15 years now, um, you know, I've, I've been on a journey to learn how do I spend more time talking to God about people than to people about God? How do I spend more time in the presence than I do trying to make something happen in the flesh? So for me, mornings with God, I don't meet with anyone before noon on any day. So mornings are for prayer, um, you know, scripture reading, journaling. I do a ton of journaling and so part of it is just living, living in the Psalms, living in the word. And the, the interesting part is this has been such a weary season. We all feel it. The first couple months of COVID, you know, we were like, we got this. We started to release, you know, online content. After a couple months, it was like, mm, we don't got this anymore. We're tired and we're weary and we had to dig deep. And so for me, it's, it's really we all have to find our ephod. We all have to find the way and the, the posture we do that. But for me, if I anchor in the word, if I anchor in the word and prayer and journaling, I get the word of the Lord. And that's the place where the courage comes. And, uh, and so for the last, you know, Dean, I would say for the last couple months, it's been life of David. Every week I've been in a different David story and it's been unbelievable the amount of courage that I'm getting from the life of David and the Psalms, you know? So I think for each one of us, it's different, but I've had to dig deep in that place um, because guys, I've never seen more division before. I've never seen more animosity toward the church. We've never had more people leave the church. There are people leaving our church, you know, for, you know, things we either do or don't do, more racial unrest, um, more political um, arguments. It's insane. And especially living in California right now around election time, guys, it's crazy here. So with all that noise, the political spirit, the religious spirit are rampant right now. The political spirit wants to win, not serve. The religious spirit wants to be right, not be love. But the Holy Spirit, we've got to be, we've got to be so filled with God's spirit that we're not swayed by the political and the religious spirit, but we can really get the heart of God. And for me, living in the narrative and in the word of God just fills my soul. I think there's a psalm that says, your word revives my soul. We need a revival. And, and you've got to find that. You've got to find that fire that revives your soul right now. So... Great question. Um, what other questions do you guys have? Anybody else? Um, I have a question. Can you, it's a 
Is that working? Um, I've been finding it hard lately to know the difference between like, um, like striving, like feeling like I have to be busy because that's sort of like what I've been used to and knowing like, no, I, there are some things to do. And I sometimes find that like a tricky balance between that, that striving and performance mentality compared to, um, no, there really are some things for me to do right now. And so, um, how, how do you tell the difference between that, that feeling of like, no, like, like putting yourself to rest when you feel like there's so much to do, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I, I love the story where Jesus gets baptized and father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He brings me great joy. So Jesus lives from the pleasure and the delight of his father, not for it. So for me, a couple things that help, help keep me anchored there is I can be a great leader or I can be a great son. I can be a great preacher. I can be a great influencer. I can be a great Instagrammer. There's a lot of things that I can be great at, but at the end of the day, I want to be a great son. And the posture of sonship is so different. It's so countercultural. Travis and I have this conversation all the time because there's the amount of trust it takes to know that your worship in the secret place is the most powerful thing happening on the earth. That takes massive trust, your commitment to community. I mean, I love Acts 2.42. They gave themselves to worship, prayer, each other, and the teachings of Jesus. And if we can give ourselves to those things, um, it says a deep sense of awe came on the church. So I think part of it is just daughterhood, sonship, knowing that, knowing that um, you know, as a preacher, I, I, you know, I want to be a great preacher. And, but at the end of the day, God's like, yeah, you can be a great preacher. You can be a great son. And when you're a great preacher, I don't know, maybe you're not a great son, but when you're a great son, you're always a great preacher. You know, so part of it's that. Uh, another piece for me personally is when I start to feel pressure, when I start to feel the pressure, I know something's off. The pressure to perform, the fear of man, the pressure to be more anointed than I am, the pressure to give a, a better word, preaching to resurgence, the pressure to, to somehow have such a polished message that, you know, that I impress you. And I feel like the Lord right now, one of the gifts of just the church is being dismantled in the most beautiful of ways. And I think one of those is the pressure is off, nothing to prove. And so I think it's going to be different for each one of us, but that's a lie that I believe that there's pressure. And so when I start to feel that, I go, ah, that's, that's, it's not the Lord. So I want to live from presence and not from pressure. And that's definitely been a, a, a journey that I'm on. And it's so freeing to, to as a preacher, to, to come and, and not preach to impress you, but actually preach because I want to see God actually transform you. I can preach to impress people or I can preach to transform them. And both are very different postures. At the end of the day, I've, I've had to get free from that fear of man and just go, you know what? I don't care. I'm not here to impress people. So, um, yep. What else? Uh, Lauren asked, how have you found unique ways to support those feeling weary or anxiety in this season who don't know the Lord? Yeah, man, that's a, it's such a great question. I, um, I'm beginning a series of talks this week. I'm calling it Frayed New World, F-R-A-Y-E-D, Frayed New World, uh, because I don't know if in our lifetime we've ever seen the world more frayed, more worn out emotionally, divided theologically, spent racially. It really is. And I felt like the Lord said, as the church, you know, as the church regathers, that we're meant to, we have to plant the church to reach this frayed new world. And so for me, I've been in this place of God, how can we, how can we find you in the weariness enough that we can meet others in it? Because people are so worn out and weary right now. 
And, uh, and so that's the divine task of the church. I don't have any pretty answer for you, but the, the divine task right now will not be to return to our programs, but to say, God, how can we meet people in the same way that, that Jesus met Peter in Luke 5 on the shore, his frayed nets, he had fished all night and caught nothing. At the end, Jesus stepped into his empty boat. And so I think right now, like, we, we've got to get a new paradigm to be able to say, God, how are we going to meet people in the weariness? But you can only give people the word of the Lord when, if you get it. So I would say many of us, the greatest gift we can offer others right now is to get into his presence so we have something worth giving. I told the Lord, I said, I don't know what the church is going to look like tomorrow, but I want to be so full and ready I want to be one that's been so hidden in your presence and so immersed in your word that, that a, a weary world cannot help but come and encounter the Lord. You know, so, um, yeah, I think, I, think I, I, can't, I can't help people in weariness if I'm living in that weariness. You know, so part of it is we've, we've got we've to strengthen ourselves in God so we can actually meet them in that place. People need the word of the Lord right now. They need a place to weep. Um, they, need, they need a church that, that isn't quick to give answers, but can hold the tension right now. Hold racial tension, hold political tension, hold theological tension. Not quick to like fix people, but to hold that tension and go, I'm gonna, we're going to sit with people even even in the, the darkest places right now. I don't know what you guys are experiencing, but we're seeing more people leave the church than ever before. And we can and how are we gonna how are we gonna hold that space to love people as they leave the church and walk with them until they encounter the living God? So it's just a real different paradigm we're stepping into. We could talk about that all night. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. And just so appreciate your wisdom. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.